Hey everyone, this is Sam here. Before we, we begin, I just want to mention that uh, you can become a part of the BS Crew. The BS Crew are faithful members who support us via Patreon on a monthly basis to help us uh, keep this show going. And um, as you can see, we're having guests come on our show regularly now since the new year begun has begun. And today's episode is no different. We're going to hear from Pastor Tom Olson, who was in the studio just a few minutes ago. And what a great, great conversation that we had. And I was truly uh, impressed um, with him and with his story and with how God uses the, the dark and uh, terrible things in our lives to mature us and to grow us into who we are. And like we spend, we spend so much, so much time and effort not embracing those hard parts and, and even trying to soothe or run away from them. And, um, when in fact, um, God's not afraid of them, God has embraced them and God wants to Use them to do a great work in your life. So I hope I hope that comes across uh, with with this interview. Um, so if you want to keep hearing uh, stories like this and uh, interviews like this, please consider becoming a part of the BS Crew. And uh, we really thank you for uh, the, the support that current BS Crew members give us. We wouldn't be able to do this without you guys. So thank you th- so much. And um, that's all for now, and I, I hope you enjoy the show. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Faith. My name is Louis Dubek. I'm my brother, Sam Kean. Sam, like I feel like just watching you a moment ago, <laughs> Maybe we gotta get you some turntables, baby, some wheels of steel. <laughs> we do, we do have a BS record over here. Maybe I could take a picture. Yeah, no, of we it need like some old school people. '80s like turntables with the ones and twos, baby. Because yeah. I can see you. You just look like an old school DJ. I, in my, what I wanted to do, what I want to do is get the our theme song and put it on a record. Can you do that? Does anyone out there in the I world can't. do that? I'm sure somebody put can. it on vinyl. Put it on wax, baby. We'll we'll get the record player and we'll just do it here. And I got right? a guy that's a legit DJ in Chicago. He can he can show you how to mix and scratch. Yeah, and maybe we get some real live. That anyway, anyway, good. I scratch. Anyway, anyway. So way. man, thank you guys for joining us today. We got a guest in the house. But before we get to our guest, like we got some new social social media yes. stuff popping off, right? Yes. Tell us Could, about that. So we have uh, a new Instagram account. We. We uh, tried to get Facebook too, but they kicked us off already. They banned us before they we made us. a post. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. We got to figure that out. Yeah. So, but Instagram hasn't banned us yet. So we're on Instagram. Go to uh, Bumper Sticker Faith or at Bumper Sticker Faith. I'm still trying know. to figure out how it works. Uh, my kids are helping me, but That's uh, good. yeah, we we're gonna do some maybe a reel of this. As they say, okay. You know, we like keeping it real. Oh, uh, like, without a doubt, no BS here. <laughs> But but that's a great but yeah, segue. G- go to our Instagram, uh, follow us or like us or whatever, heart us. whatever you heart us. There's a little heart thing, like yeah. heart us. Share us. Yeah. Listen to us Listen to in the morning and the yeah. night. If you got some toilet time, like T 
TT. You know, we just keeping it real because we know, like, I bought a gag <laughs> gift. It was a toilet timer where it was a guy sitting oh. on the toilet and, like, the sand yeah. came out of the you-know-what. And, like, it's time to get up. So that was a great white elephant <laughs> gift for someone. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Anyways. Like today, we have a special guest, man, yeah, our brother Tom Olson. So I'm gonna let you intro Tom because this is one of your pastors at church. Yeah. So, so tell us about Mr. Olson over here. Yeah, Tom Olson. He's a pastor at the church I go to at the Orchard, and uh, I remember first meeting you. We were at a, I don't know what the, I don't, I don't know what these events were called. Maybe like a, a preaching event or like a. Oh um, yeah, First Thessalonians, or yes, maybe even before that. Yeah, but we were at a had a breakout table early, together early days back no. in the, yeah. It wasn't like at a nightclub or nothing like that. No, okay. No, right, although right. we have kayaked the Mississippi River together. Oh, that's what? right. Yeah, saw bald eagles. Wow, yeah. a majestic moment. Yeah. The national anthem was just blaring over yeah. Sam. As he, <laughs> as he paddled down the yeah. Mississippi. Wow. We hunted bald eagles. No, we didn't hunt <laughs> Whoa, I was going to say that. Don't say that. That's why you got banned. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's probably. Yeah. But uh, Tom, Tom's a great guy. Uh, everyone, not everyone, but I think everyone likes him, appreciates his, his, uh, his ministry at the church and uh, his handling of God's word on, mm. a, on a weekly basis and very wise person. And like, I want to... I want to get into that, but w what we're mainly here to talk about is uh, an experience that you had when you were a child, mm -hmm. which I've heard a little bit about over the years, but I w wanted to dig deeper because I thought uh, there's more to it that could be helpful for people mm -hmm. and more to it that could be helpful for me. And, and that's that you, um, you lost a brother when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so we'll, Talk about that first, and then you also want to share, kind of in the second half of the of the episode, how you uh, uh, dealt with that, how you grew through that, overcame mm -hmm. that, and you have some things that you want to share with people, which which will be helpful. That we'll do uh, on the uh, on the second half. But so, uh, and and I'm aware, and I'm also aware, and I don't know if you're aware. <laughs> I probably should have mentioned this. Uh, I had a time too, but like Lewis has lost someone too when he was mm. when he was a kid. He he lost his dad when you were fifteen, fourteen, mm. uh, and um, so so both of you have um, some hard earned wisdom that you can mm. uh, bring to the to the BS table today uh, <laughs> to keep it and to keep it real about uh, our losses. So mm. so uh, beginning with, tell us about um, well, tell us about how you be how you decided to become a pastor and like how much of that was tied to this loss of, I was trying to keep things separate, but maybe, you know, it's all part yeah, of the well, same story. Yeah, well, and the answer to those questions aren't separate. By the way, okay. thanks for having me and yeah. thanks for doing this theme. Um, you know, as I was kind of trying to stir up my heart and mind for uh, chatting with you guys today, just realized I think there's a lot on grief, but the nuance of losing a sibling is, yeah, yeah. is, Maybe not one I've heard talked about as much, yeah. so I'm grateful for it. But yeah, the themes of just your question, how did I become a pastor and my brother's passing are interrelated. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into this more in a second, but he, he passed when I was 14. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely say that that I, I think I had made a genuine profession of faith in Jesus uh, prior to that. There were some ways looking back on sixth, seventh grade Tom where I think And how old were you? He was 14? 
Uh, he was nine. Oh, he was nine. He was you nine. I was 14. Okay. And what, so, what's his name? John. Okay. Yeah. So I'll talk about John uh, a lot here coming up. But, uh, you know, there are some ways where I can look back on elementary or middle school Tom and be like, yeah, yeah I think he, he was serious about his profession. I like a lot of kids who grew up in the church, you know, made a profession of faith about five, six years old. And I think that was genuine. Uh, but, you know, the, the experience of losing my brother really accelerated that because it, it asked some major questions of how serious I was about that faith, mm. how much I really believed it. You know, to kind of borrow your guys' phrase, was it bumper sticker yeah. faith or was yeah, it real? Exactly. What did I actually believe what I, I said I believed? And so that really started a process where the Lord just started putting people in my life. A new youth pastor came to our church about the same time, and he took me on my first missions trip. He took me to Promise Keepers, which was a thing oh, back wow. in the mid nineties. And yep. he just invested in me and really viewed me kind of as his Timothy to his mm-hmm. Paul, you know? And, uh, so it was, it was a series of events where I got cut from the baseball team and I was frustrated by that. And somebody dragged me to like the speech team, which in Michigan we call forensics, mm. which is not yeah. like <laughs> trying to figure out how dead people died. Right. It's like, it's speech and, and drama. And so all of a sudden I'm doing speech team and, huh. uh, I'm just about to pick up the guitar and, you know, there's some kind of finally some decent CCM Christian, <laughs> Christian music coming out in the nineties. That's that, that I think was a little better, a little more interesting to me. And so it was a bunch of these just people and, and music and uh, the Lord opening this door to like, Hey, maybe you can actually do some public speaking as well. And a couple of these things, but it really accelerated on this first kind of missions trip I ever took, you know, and I know today I might call it missions tourism a little bit more than, mm-hmm. than missions trip, mm-hmm. you know, because we went to Toronto and we're just kind of getting to know some ministries and seeing what they're up to. Mm-hmm. And one night, the last night of the trip, um, our youth group was just singing some worship songs mm-hmm. and this guy came over and asked us what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And we told him about Jesus and he professed Christ right on the wow. spot. And wow. it was like, I just had mm. one of those, uh, you know, I've only had two or three of these in my life. Yeah. So I don't, I don't find this a common experience, but I just had an overwhelming experience of the Lord's presence, mm. um, calling me to be a pastor that night. And I remember mm. saying to my youth wow. pastor, <laughs> freshman year high school <laughs> on an Island in some park, you know, in mm. Toronto, you know, like, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor and. Wow. Mm. Um, my church just kept giving me chances to test my calling, whether leading worship at youth group, or I got to share my testimony of losing my brother in church mm-hmm. and senior year of high school. They let me, um, do like 10 minutes of a devotion in church. And so, yeah, I just had opportunities to keep testing and mm. testing that calling from there. But yeah, it really began that calling to become a pastor really in about the 18 months after my brother passed. Wow. So Mm, wow. Yeah. You know, I, I again, thank you for sharing. Um, one of the things that I guess is maybe new new for me is I listen, you'd say, testing your calling. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Man, that's new for me. That's like a foreign concept. And, and it, it makes so much sense, right? Like oftentimes people say, I think the Lord is calling me to this. <clears throat> and then it's like the next step is Bible college. The next step is seminary. And it's like, I never thought of this idea of like even testing pre doing those things to see if that's what God wants. Yeah. And when I had add Lewis, and I know this isn't the theme we're going today and I could get us started down another road, <laughs> but I'd even add 
we want to, if you feel like you're called to do something, whether it's become a pastor, a missionary, or, you know, Sam would know too, I have a very strong doctrine of work mm-hmm. and daily work. And the Lord is calling people into the media, into mm-hmm. arts, into athletics, uh, into the sciences, into engineering. So I have a very broad uh, theology of work from Genesis 1, but particular to vocational ministry callings, you got to test them before. Mm-hmm. And then I think you got to keep testing them yeah. because... I've just met some men who are called to be pastors for a season and other men who are called to be pastors mm. for their life. And if mm. you're a pastor when you're not mm. supposed to be, that's like the worst way you could ever <laughs> live your life. So I even think I'm still testing my calling <clears throat> to this day. Wow. I, okay. I, I still want to hold that loosely to say, now the Lord's evidence in my life is I think I'm supposed to keep going and, yep. and I don't anticipate him changing that. But I just think it's so it's so dangerous to your people but also dangerous to yourself mm-hmm. if you're if you're just going through the motions in pastoral ministry mm-hmm. man thank you I, we need to have you on again and we've talk been about talking this. about that we yeah, have yeah. been we, we need the phone personally yeah we need yeah. to we i would love to have you on yeah. again sometime and yeah. talk just about that but it's so true it like that that's the bumper sticker mm-hmm. uh, just doing something in name only or because yeah. you because you think that's the right answer, because mm-hmm. you think that's what God wants to hear, what other people want to hear. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll just do this when when you're not really it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you have an emotional experience in a worship service, and you think, ooh, I should be a worship leader, or I should be a pastor, or I should be this. And it's like an emotional experience is what it is, but that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the Holy Spirit saying this is what I'm going to have mm-hmm. you do. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, let's not veer off the primary. Um, <laughs> but still, like our... In each of our lives, too, like what what we are, you know, quote unquote, doing now, it's all directly related to things that happened in our in our past. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and like if you if you drop an acorn in a certain environment, it's gonna the tree's gonna grow in a certain way based on the hills or the rain. Or That's right. It's it's gonna adapt and mm-hmm. and be a part of the terrain too, and just. Mm-hmm. That, that's how wonderfully God has kind of designed everything. You can't extract mm-hmm. someone from their, mm-hmm. from their life, mm-hmm. uh, from their history, from their past. And, um, and as God matures that, I mean, that's, that's what he's doing. He's perfecting and maturing something that uh, may be tragic that happened in the past, but what is <clears throat> Romans eight twenty eight says he causes all things to work yeah. together Amen. for the good. And that Amen. that's, it's not a cheap working. That's a that's a hard fought working. Yeah, the way he's oh, doing yeah. it. You yeah. know. Yeah. So to get back on track, so was that your only sibling? No, I have two older sisters. Okay, that are eight and nine years older than me. But uh, yeah, my brother John was was the baby. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he was the baby of the family. And, and yeah. how did you see that impact your sisters? Oh man, uh, I think. Uh, that immediately starts teasing us into some of the lessons of, of grief. Mm, um, yeah. You know, my sisters, one was newly married. I think one was engaged when it happened. Mm. So they were out of the house. Mm, okay. Wow. And it kind of left a family of four. All of a sudden I was kind of only yeah, child in my house. Yeah. And admittedly at 14, you're not the most self-aware. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably to my shame. I don't know how many times as a 14 year old boy, I asked my sisters like, how are you doing with yeah, this? Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yep. So, um, I, th- I think that's some of the challenge of grief when it comes to losing a sibling mm-hmm. is, is it's grief. Grief is hard. Like we got a couple man, godly families, godly families at our church right now who are dealing with 
what appears to be some pretty terminal cancer diagnoses. Yeah. And you're seeing how grief affects folks in their 40s and 50s mm. who are eagerly pursuing Christ. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's when grief comes upon children losing siblings who mm-hmm. don't have the maturity, don't have mm-hmm. the years of roots in yeah, Christ yeah, and his word. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a different layer. So I, I, I honestly, again, maybe to yeah, my okay. shame, I can't answer the question yeah, as yeah. well for my sisters. Oh, I mean, other than knowing it was hard for them. And um, I mean, I, I know in retrospect how, how they dealt with that and um, how it challenged those early days mm-hmm. of their marriage and challenged some fears they had when they when they came mm-hmm. to have kids mm-hmm. which i i feel the same too you, know, you <clears throat> yeah, yeah see a little bump on your kid's elbow and you you just mm-hmm. ask Uh-oh. different questions yeah. when you grew up in the house i did yeah. and what about your parents yeah yeah i mean uh, did they I, seem I like overly protective of you at that point or yeah, and both your yeah, sisters too yeah. or no no and my parents are gonna uh probably end up listening because they listen to every single thing I do. I, I'm going to be <laughs> a bit judicious, but no, I think I, I am not sure having gone through my own grief and watched my sisters and just pastoral ministry, watching people lose parents, lose siblings as adults, you know, there's just some, every grief is different. That's mm-hmm. one of my lessons. I don't like to rank griefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's a ranking of grief. But boy, is there something unique about losing a child. And, yeah. um, and, and I do think it's tough. And, and uh, I, I know my mom and I particularly had some very con- honest conversations mm-hmm. over the years of, you know, in particular, my brother's, brother's case, I, I should get and give a little more context to the story. But yeah, let's um, feel free to get into yeah, that. Feel free uh, to tell us about uh, what happened. Yeah. So I'm going to get to your question. I'm good at these rabbit trails. I'll come back. So my brother, John was diagnosed with a very rare form of pediatric cancer called rhabdomyosarcoma at age four. And we lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan at the time. And it was so rare that he had to be treated at university of Michigan children's hospital because they, they were the only hospital nearby with the capacity to treat him. And, uh, and so he did that for two years and then went into remission, praise God. Mm. Um, and he was in remission for six months. And when the cancer came back, and I just feel like I hear this story play out again and again. If you go into remission and the <clears throat> cancer comes back, it's just the cancer is a freight train at that point. Mm. And it just it doesn't respond to chemo and radiation anymore. And, mm. um, you know, so we tried everything at that point. You turn over every stone mm. to save your little boy yeah. or mm. your little brother, as it were, you know natural we, we didn't do the whole uh, essential oils things in the mid 90s you know <laughs> no, but there no, there is those things of you know if you you know making him eat all these spinach shakes mm-hmm. and all this stuff and eventually it just became where um there was nothing the doctors could do mm. and uh, my parents had to make a, a decision that mm. i saw them make it and in retrospect mm. I can't believe wow. what they had to go through of wow. just making a choice of do we do things that will brutalize my brother's body in the hopes that mm-hmm. maybe they can save him or mm-hmm. do they just lay him in the arms of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what wow. they chose to do. And mm-hmm. I, I respect them for that. I think it was the right call. Wow. It would have been so cruel to my brother to take any further steps. Mm-hmm. He had suffered so much. So yeah, January 22nd, mm-hmm. uh, 1995, mm-hmm. he went home to be with the Lord and, mm-hmm. 
Um, he had a very vibrant faith, which I can get mm, into in a moment wow. as well, uh, which gave us so much hope. But, but that does get to your question and, and where I wanted to add some of those details first is, you know, because he was being treated at University of Michigan for a lot of those times, my parents had to be with him there. So the better part of two, two and a half years, I was, I was having to live with people from church, not live with them, but you know, it was kind of a week on week off because the cycle for a pediatric cancer patient at that time was do a week of chemo, come home for a week, get sick, have to go back to the hospital for a week, Mm -hmm. come home for a week. And then it's time for your, so two weeks out of the month, you know, I was often this great family in our church, Jan and Nelson Graber, who became like aunt and uncle to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, so because of that, just by nature, because my mom was with my brother staying in the hospital room for two weeks of a month, mm-hmm. I gained a lot of independence. Mm-hmm. So this goes back to your question. My mom and I had an adjustment mm-hmm. when she was back at the house, <laughs> yeah. used to caring for a nine-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I was 15 in high school, had already experienced some independence, mm-hmm. wanted more independence. That was a tough transition yeah. for me and my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got through it and we have a great relationship today, but it's the expectations of what life's going to be like when she reenters and she's Mm. grieving and I'm grieving, but we're grieving in different ways. Mm -hmm. And my grief doesn't look like hers and hers doesn't Mm -hmm. look like mine. So we're not always on the same page. And then I'm also trying to be in high school, but she's also missing this little boy. And she was, my mom's like the definition of a mom. Mm, (laughs) And so like, (laughs) you know, she had, she had so much to do and she was so good at it with my brother mm-hmm. and to come home to have a son who was not interested in that same level of mothering Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. that a nine-year-old <clears throat> cancer mm-hmm. boy needs. You know? I can, I can relate to a certain extent when my father got killed, I was 15. Yeah. And so I was the only child Yeah, and it was like my mother's first like real boyfriend and stuff like that. And mm. so the way I kind of describe it is when that happened, we were both numb. Yeah. And yeah. she kind of went good. into her That's own good. cocoon. Yeah. And I kind of went into mine, meaning like there was no one reaching out to 15 year old Lewis to like help me mm-hmm. process and grieve and know what mm-hmm. to go through. And I remember the day I found out the next day I went to school mm-hmm. and I was just trying to get some normalcy mm-hmm. and I couldn't even make it past first period. Yeah. I did the same thing though. I went to school the day after my brother passed mm-hmm. away and, um, wow. Yeah, I think I think with kids, it's yeah, and plus there was like a progression to yeah. what happened with you, whereas mine was yeah. just all of yeah. a sudden. Yeah, so that I think matters makes a little bit of well, a difference. And I think I think you're 100 percent right on that. And that's where I was saying I don't like to rank griefs. Yeah, but we do have to realize the unique pressures that different mm-hmm. kind of griefs bring. Yeah, that's why. And uh, you're right. Mine was a progression. And, and here's how I've learned to talk about it with people. doesn't mean you were more sad than me or I was more sad Correct. than you. Yep. It just meant the intensity of our emotion, mm-hmm. the ebb and flow of our emotion, what the first couple of weeks, first couple of months look like are mm-hmm. going to be different Yeah, because of, the, because of that. And so um, I, I think it's one of the most important things because, you know, uh, when we want to help people who are grieving, we often look very short term. Mm. Like, what can I do for you today? What can I say to make mm. you feel better? What can I bring you food? And it's like, man, especially with kids, we need people who are saying, 
I'm going to call up Lewis. I'm going to call up Tom six months from now. Mm-hmm. Take him to coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to forget mm-hmm. that just because they're a 15 year old and everything seems fine and they're on the mm-hmm. basketball team or the speech team in my, mm-hmm. I don't know what you did in high school, but <laughs> it wasn't good. I, I was the speech team guy, you know, and, uh, yeah, where it looks good on the outside. Oh, and they must be doing better. Are, are, mm-hmm. are they, you know, it's, it's with grief. We need people who will stick with the grieving for the long haul and not Amen. just for that quick hit at the beginning. So, so don't just say, Hey, if you need anything, let me know. Don't put the ball in their court. Well, but take the initiative to yeah. say, let's go out for well, coffee. Well, and this is what's tricky is I would say that six months down the road. Um, in the short term, mm-hmm. sometimes that's all you can say. What can you need? Because mm-hmm. here's here's what's happened, and I see it at church sometimes, is everybody's so eager for doing something that all of a sudden the grieving people have to play host and hostess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... I'd say earlier in the grief, you do want to be more patient. Mm-hmm. Hey, if there's anything you need, you know, I'm available. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm again, thinking of a family at church recently where, where they've got so many people in and out of their house. Mm-hmm. Well, if I show up now, they got to host the pastor, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's, um, you, you got to know the relationship. You got to know the people, you got to know how much support they are. Like in Lewis's situation where it's like what you're describing, nobody reached out to you, man. Nobody. I wish somebody's doing what family you're saying or nobody. But that's where grief is so different for everybody that at some level, if you can avoid a, a few stupid sayings, like it's all going to be okay. Oh yeah. It, or I know just, what you're going through. Yeah. I know what you're going through is terrible. No, no you don't. No. You do not know what I'm going through. I, I'd rather hear, I can't imagine what you're going through. Yep. Because it's validating. Like I, I'm praying for you. I, I don't know how you're making it through. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I pray mm-hmm. for you? But that's where it is, is that's where it's so important to recognize grief is different because mm-hmm. a family where there's, you know, they're a part of a church, part of a good small group and the small group smothering them. Yeah. You may need to wait six months before mm-hmm. you initiate. And just in the meantime, be like, Hey, if there's anything pops up, mm-hmm. but in like you're describing Lewis with your situation, man, I wish somebody was, I need the media. Cause I started I, getting yeah. high drinking, selling yeah. like all of them things progressively yeah. started happening. And you know, I didn't yeah. know what was going on. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's sometimes, I just wish people understood if you can get rid of a few cringy cliche sayings and just be like, no, I know this person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I know this person's more of an introvert and they might need some quiet. I know this Mm -hmm. person's more of an extrovert Mm -hmm. and they need to be out and about, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you know people, you probably know better how to help them with grieving than you think you do. I like what Pastor Colin Smith uh, said once that sometimes we'll hesitate to bring up someone's loss with them. But he basically (laughs) said, um, they're thinking about that person. So go ahead and mention their name. Say if, I mean, if you knew that person say, Hey, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about John today. Yeah. And And I I really miss him mm -hmm. just to, and, and yeah, validate I, that. I saw that. I think people were scared of making our family cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if we bring them up, you're going to cry and you're going to be sad. And it's like, no, 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 we're already sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And if we come to church and feel like you've all forgotten him, mm-hmm. that's way worse. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing I've learned to do, especially in that long game. Mm-hmm. I, I, it seems so scary to me when I first started doing it, but I've just learned it works just mm-hmm. Walking up to people, hey, Lewis, how many years has it been now since your dad died? Man, it was 1990. 
yeah. 1990. But see, that's how quick they jump at it. I was asking this rhetorically as something mm. I do, but I say it to Lewis and Lewis yeah. is right in there and he's thinking about it. Mm. And it's, again, yeah, it's so right. It's when you can lean into grief with people and just honest questions. How long has it been? How are, how are you doing today? How, how mm. often do you think about them? What do you miss about them right now? Mm-hmm. Like those questions are so happily on the mm-hmm. table for grieving people because they're also feeling like, I, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about this mm-hmm. because people are tired of hearing about it or I feel like I'm a broken record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you give them permission to talk yeah. about it too, it's such a gift. Yeah, it's, it's funny to me because mm-hmm. in knowing you were going to come talk about this, I just made the connection while like a week ago, I don't know where I was at or what I was doing, but all of a sudden it popped in my head. I don't remember what my father's voice sounds like. Mm. And I was so mad. And I was like, yeah. how could you forget? Yeah. And then I started thinking about, can I remember what my mother's voice sounds mm. like? You know, and it's just like, <clears throat> for some reason, that yeah. stuff mattered to me in that moment. And it's joy when those people's names come up. So when you mention yeah. like mentioning them, and even if it brings tears, it's not tears of me being sad again. It's like it like brings them back to life in a sense. Yeah. You know, for me, when it gets mentioned. So, yeah, yeah I appreciate you mentioning that, man. But I think you're also hitting at a lot of the weird grief that kids mm. feel. Yeah. Because, again, you lack some of the emotional intelligence and some of the, the mooring and maturity of years. So, I mean... Kids, as they're grieving, are, are going to think about things like, well, if I don't have as many siblings, I'll, I'll have more presents yes. at Christmas. Yes. And it's like, yep. it's things that you're not intentionally thinking, but things you think. And then it's like, I remember I had a, a couple thoughts like that. That wasn't my thought exactly. I, I can't remember exactly how it went for me, but I had a thought in that and I was so disgusted by mm-hmm. it. And that thought haunted me for years that I'd had that thought while my brother was suffering Mm. and it's like well i can't say that to my parents and and so you do you have some really weird yeah. senses of or you guilt. can start acting out because like they're getting yeah. all the attention and you're not getting any i mean there's so many <laughs> dynamics that yeah can come into play yeah and and um i think that's a challenge too with kids and i think it even extends into the age we were at in the in the early teen years where because because you're what you're dealing with is kind of emotionally beyond your that present level of emotional maturity. It's the only thing you do know is how to act out. It is, it is where it's similar Mm. to a toddler where Mm. it's like, you can tell Mm. with a toddler, like they're going through something. They just don't have the words yet to explain to mom and dad what they're frustrated about. Mm. And and that is true for kids. and, And I would even say teenagers when they're grieving, we just don't, we don't have the, the vocabulary yet to put words oh, it's to some true of for adults too and yeah. i know we're i yeah. know we're going to get into that in the second half but yeah. like it this stuff comes out in compulsive behavior drinking yeah. looking at porn agreed like, yeah when your soul is agitated and needs to get your attention it and you don't <laughs> handle it the right the right way mm-hmm. i want to know about your brother john tell us yeah. about him yeah what was he like yeah, so he was a he was a great kid. I mean, he was in many ways like the definition of a '90s kid. Loved mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> loved Jurassic Park. Loved Street Fighter Two on the Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. and you know Super Nintendo. And I, I think those are some of my last memories of him because 
he was hurting so bad at the end. He wanted to play mm. soccer. He wanted to play baseball. His body just couldn't take it anymore. Mm. So that last Christmas, he got a Super Nintendo with Donkey Kong Country. Mm. And mm. those last three weeks with him were just playing Donkey Kong wow. Country. And, you know, wow. and um, so he was a great kid, super energetic. But uh, I would I would add one thing my brothers taught me is that don't underestimate the faith a kid can have. Mm. I know I've mm. just been highlighting some of the emotional and intellectual maturity a kid can struggle with as far as grieving kids. Mm -hmm. But the Lord can bring a child faith. And and that's, that's what I saw in my brother. There's a, you know, we're Purdue fans in our house because sister, nieces, nephews all went to Purdue. And so he was a big Purdue fan growing up. And uh, the guidance counselor at his public elementary school is a Purdue grad. So they always hit it off. And, <laughs> you know, the guidance counselor is going to be especially on the watch out for the kid with cancer. So they developed a friendship and would bring him in. And she wasn't a follower of Jesus or anything. Um, but uh, when she heard from my parents that um, he had about three weeks left, um, mm. you know, she brought him into her office trying to help him. She says to him, Hey, John, do you know that you're going to die soon? And he wow. goes, what do you mean? I'm never going to die. Mm. And I was thankful for this woman. She was a good counselor. <laughs> she goes, what do you mean by that? Mm. And he goes, well, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. John 11. <laughs> and he just wow. goes, John 11 on wow. her. And uh, that story had ripple effects throughout the elementary school because... Wow. The Lord just gave him a faith that could look death square in the eye and not Dang. blink. And so wow. that was huge. And, uh, mm. you know, it, it, I mean, I, uh, I want some of that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I do think, and, and maybe we can start teasing into this a little now, because I do think the unique thing is we all want some of that, but in my experience personally and pastorally, I think the Lord bestows that extra dosage mm -hmm. in unique moments, mm -hmm. you know? And I think if John had made it to high school, we maybe yep. wouldn't have always seen that courageous and bold John. I mean, maybe he would have, maybe, you know, knows, he maybe yeah. he was a little Billy Graham and waiting, you know, but, uh, but, you know, for sure, it, it was quite evident to me that the Lord gave him an unusual mm -hmm. courage that was suited for the moment mm -hmm. and the Lord's kindness. And, and again, I agree. Mm -hmm. I, I want some of that. And I try not to tell the story too often in sermons. I could tell it weekly in sermons, but I always check with one of our other pastors. Have I told this story very recently? They're like, no, you're good to tell it again. But mm -hmm. so it comes up like every three years, I think in a sermon, <laughs> I've tried to find a rhythm where I, or I tell that story maybe every other, you know, every three Easter's or something, but, but yeah, so don't get me wrong. I want it too, but I also know it's such a unique gift that the Lord gave my brother yeah, in that I moment. Think it's, I think it it's worthwhile to validate your parents because they played a major part in John's yeah. spiritual formation. And mm -hmm. so yeah. it speaks to their devotion mm -hmm. to Christ first yeah. and then they're like pouring into their children, you know, who Christ is because without that, John may have not had any type of faith at all and been hopeless yeah. and scared to death of death. So man, thank you. Um, to your parents, man, Amen. for for being godly Amen. an example to your family, man. That's Amen. wow. All right, take a little break. We'll be right back.
All right, we're back. Now, um, I wish we had like three more hours. <laughs> um, the second part, um, you're going to walk us through um, some, you're going to walk us through a psalm. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Through Psalm 16, but you're going to talk about more of like application and um, applying some of these lessons and, and how a person can help themselves through a loss, mm-hmm. perhaps even um, help someone else. But um, so, so st- start us off. Yeah. I appreciate the way you pitched this to me the other day, Sam. I was just kind of thinking of like, if you were coming alongside yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now as pastor Tom, having gone through it, having lost a sibling, you know, whether it was helping yourself or helping a kid yeah. in the church. What would you say to your, your, your 15 year old Tom self? Yeah. And I guess I got the, the idea for that approach from, I was in a guy's group uh, once and a guy was talking about his, his parents divorce when he was mm-hmm. uh, a kid. And he said, he said, sarcastically he said there there was no like manual for written for a kid about how to navigate your, right. your parents divorce and i joked with him afterwards i said maybe you should write that then mm-hmm. you know that, that could be that could be helpful from a you know a kid to a kid but kind yeah. of the same idea um how, how yeah how could you speak yeah to that? And, and i'd want to just first kind of double back to something i was i was starting to say before you know everyone in a family grieves differently and you could meet another 14 year old boy with a nine year old brother who passed away from cancer and he might be experiencing things differently. Um, and likewise I found grief comes in waves. Grief is like the tides. It seems to come in and out. And Mm -hmm. so we always want to approach it with that situation. And to that end too, I just say about Psalm 16, some of what I'd like to share I'm not sure if everything I'll share would help everybody in the same way, but if, mm-hmm. if you had a kid in your life who lost their sibling, these are some thoughts that might just be tools in your tool belt. But again, like we were talking about, know the kid <laughs> and yeah. know that maybe yeah, not yeah. everything you should say right away, but these are the kinds of things I'd be thinking about mm-hmm. saying to myself when I was that age. Well, I know right away, like when you, you texted me Psalm 16, I was like Psalm 16. Like, how does that, how does that apply to this in any way, shape or form? And so then I went back to Psalm 16, but I read it from this perspective and I got to like your first point and I'll be honest with you. I started to weep. Yeah. I started to cry because. Well, now I have a very high expectation of how this is some powerful stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's where we, to be clear, I, I don't think Psalm 16 is necessarily about losing a brother, but no, I think it has no. principles Yeah, because exactly. what is evident is David's going through something here and David went through a lot. I mean, he lost mm-hmm. a child in infancy. He had mm-hmm. prodigal kids. He was attacked by Saul. I, I mean, uh, he was seemed early in his life. He was kind of outcast among his brothers. You know, he was left at home while they all got to go be the warriors on the mm-hmm. battlefield, even though he was kind of the real warrior, but, um, so, but I just think it highlights because David is praying while he's in anguish mm-hmm. and, and, and that's, that's where we meet us. So, mm-hmm. and that, that brings us right in. I, I just think the first verse of Psalm 16, where David says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. You know, as a kid growing up in the church, that was a huge blessing. And like you were saying just before the break, that was a huge blessing for my brother. Why did he know John 11? Because he went to our version of Awana and he had it memorized, mm-hmm. you know, and. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes those things you learn as a kid, you don't feel like they matter until you're tested. And all of a sudden these verses start coming mm-hmm. back to you. So I, I, I would, I wouldn't trade the blessing of growing up in a church for anything, mm-hmm. period, full stop. Mm-hmm. That being said, I do think church kids, they hear so many other people pray mm-hmm. that they just think they have to copy those prayers. And mm-hmm. so you end up praying other people's prayers instead mm-hmm. of your own. Mm-hmm. And so verses like Psalm 16, 1 still challenge me to this day. Mm-hmm. I don't have to mince words with God. He already knows what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. And so for God, because again, the key point here is God put this verse in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just David's idea how to pray. This mm-hmm. is the Holy Spirit's idea of how to mm-hmm. pray. And the Spirit through the Scripture, through this brother David, is saying, you can be dishonest with God. Mm-hmm. And I think I think if I think back on 14, 15-year-old Tom, I'd be like, when you read your Bible in the morning, or I, I read my Bible at night in those days, mm-hmm. like don't feel you have to come up with some perfunctory yeah. prayer that sounds like the preacher's. Yeah, just mm-hmm. like, just tell yeah. God what you're thinking. And like, if you're frustrated with him, if, if your words seem uncomfortable man, go through the Psalms, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of uncomfortable things. David mm-hmm. says to the Lord that yeah. then the Lord put mm-hmm. in scripture because the Lord likes it when his people pray that honestly. So uh, that's the first thing for me in Psalm 16. It starts honesty. I just think it's a big old invitation. Our heavenly father mm-hmm. saying, you can say anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotcha. I think how John Calvin opened his institutes by saying that our purpose in life is to know him more and to know ourselves more. And I think we probably struggle with both of those, but one that has stood out to me and has been a big motivator for this podcast period was that knowing of yourself Mm -hmm. and in, in the sense of, do do I really know what's going on inside? Like if I think I have to be a certain way in prayer before God and before others, then that keeps me out of touch with myself. Yeah. And I don't make the connection to the fact that uh, there's something going on inside, like a grief that hasn't been properly lamented or, yeah. and it's coming out sideways in this other area of my yeah. life. Like, yeah. do we really, and, and, and I love this because uh, it, it says pres- preserve me, like yeah. me, <laughs> not yeah. somebody else, not some bumper sticker version of myself, right. but it's me. And then it has that word. Uh, preserve, which is, it's just, it's a powerful, it's yeah. a powerful word. And, and Lewis, I, I'd be curious what you think of this too, but what's, what Sam's saying there too reminds me like how much I felt I had to be the rock in my family. Mm. Like, cause I saw how badly my parents were grieving. Again, my, my sisters were out of the house. You know, I even saw how badly people in my church were grieving. And so it was like, I'm going to be the rock, mm. you know, and I felt that pressure I felt that pressure to be solid. And, and I think, I think that's something young men are, mm-hmm. are prone to, you know, it's like every, how many 16, 17 year old boys would be embarrassed if they, if they cried at the mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I think for young men losing a sibling or a parent, it's, yeah. it's easy to feel like you got to be the rock for everybody else. Well, I, you know, so I had a different experience cause there wasn't really anybody else I was the only child and I didn't have a big family and so actually my mom and I had a decent relationship but it just got way worse Mm. and I think in retrospect about thinking about this for years that I was angry at my mother because I felt she was part to blame Mm. like if she would have been better at x 
then it would have prevented. I mean, my father uh, was yeah. was in a drug deal and got robbed and shot and killed. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't know that initially, but I knew it was something like, kind of like that. Yeah. And I just felt like it, like they argue, fuss, and fight all the time. And so it was like if you wouldn't have been so argumentative, if you mm-hmm. wouldn't have been always yeah. on him. Now, she was on him about legit stuff like – I need some money to help buy Lewis some shoes or to pay for this at school because she was like working two or three jobs and he wasn't contributing anything financially to the mm-hmm. family. So it was legit stuff that later I thought about mm-hmm. that. But in the moment of it yeah. happening, it was like I kind of felt like, again, not intentionally, but became very antagonistic against my mother. And I didn't want to be around her at all. And yeah. so that that complicated things even more for her. Yeah. Because she was trying to pull me in because she was so afraid that I would die, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't living that yeah. lifestyle and being a teenager. Anyway, you want independence mm-hmm. and pull away from your parents yeah. to begin with. Mm-hmm. So as she's pulling me towards her, I'm pushing her away. Yeah. So that's what it looked like yeah. for me. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think again, I, I got to keep catching myself because I, I say grief is different and then I wonder what principles translate, but, um, <laughs> But I, I think both those things can be true at the same time. But yeah, I think that that mother-child dynamic you're describing is 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 one that will appear in in families well, the going thing through that grief. Stands out to me is I like honesty is so important. Yeah, uh, and obviously a parent can't tell their kids everything, mm-hmm. but at some at some point for your mom to be able to communicate to you, Lewis, that no, your your dad like he didn't contribute and and this is what was going on rather because that didn't leave you or that left you to like jump to conclusions and maybe it was you mom and it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. And um, so being honest and real with our kids is important. But then the other thing is um, kids love to protect their parents. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been around adults, men who <clears throat> have been abused by their parents and the kid in the, in the adult, kids still can't come to blaming their parents Mm -hmm. they still blame themselves and say well if i wouldn't have acted so bad Mm -hmm. if i wouldn't have wanted like new shoes or whatever then it it was deep down they still believe that it's their fault and it's and it is healthy to be able to say um no my parents messed up you know they're not perfect that's okay but at least let's be real and honest about that and i as a kid probably messed up too you know yeah but yeah yeah, I th- I think it's there's that what you're getting at is there's there's what can be a very good godly imago day made in the image of God type of instinct in young men to to protect and provide yeah. like my new little dog's a, a an Aussie doodle but it's got a shepherd dog in in yeah. him and I see that instinct yeah. of like where's everybody yeah. is everybody safe is yeah, everybody yeah, fine yeah. and that and that's good but yeah the danger like it was for me was to say. Okay, so I've got to I got to fake mm-hmm. it a little bit now. <laughs> it, it, I think it can be can be done, you know, yeah. by fourteen, fifteen, or all. I don't yeah. know, but so long as they realize that I'm, um, I really am not okay, and I and I yeah. have these people that I'm talking to. I'm acknowledging that, yeah. But I'm choosing now to also step it up in these other yeah. areas. And what my parents needed from me in particular in that moment of anything, it just I love you, thank mm. you for loving me, like like they didn't quote unquote need me to protect them or be the rock for them. They just mm-hmm. in, in dealing with the grief, just a few, I love you's probably would have mm-hmm. gone a long way. 
So. And I wish that would have been true of me because my mother mm-hmm. deserved to have me like not at least not act out the way I acted out. Right. So it would have been good for me to be a loving enough son to recognize the pain she was in and be able to help support her. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I wish mm-hmm. I could have been thinking about I need to be the man of the house now. Yeah. You know, but because of my own selfishness, that wasn't even a thought. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot that went into your situation for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can I keep yeah, pressing so on? Going next? So yeah. preserve me. That's the first one. Yeah. I, I looking at um, verse three, which says, as for the saints in the land, they're the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Um, You know, there's, there's a lot of the days after my brother passed that I, I just feel like I blacked out and I can't remember anything, hmm. but a couple of things I remember, um, this will get me choked up. I remember my buddy Todd being at the funeral. Mm. I still keep in touch with Todd to this day. He's a pastor down in Louisville, Kentucky. So so these are the saints from the verse you're talking about. Christian people in your life. Yeah. So Todd. He he was there. And as an old song I used to listen to, it's saying, there aren't words to say, words aren't remembered, but presences. Mm -hmm. And I can remember Todd was at the funeral. And that's where I just say, if you're trying to help a kid, you probably don't have to say much just to be around. Mm-hmm. I remember my brother-in-laws like playing Sega Genesis with me. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't, they didn't talk much, but just they were around. Um, I remember people at church just showing up with food. Mm-hmm. We were a really dysfunctional church, honestly. I learned later, like we fought about everything, which is why that my home church is dead, mm-hmm. uh, where we buried my brother. That home church is no more, but what that church was really good at and really good in that season is they just had servants' hearts and they'd show up Mm -hmm. with, with food. And so, Hmm. you know, and where my parents were really great examples of showing up at church, even when they didn't feel like singing, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. how are you just going to heal without God's people? Mm -hmm. Like we're the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And if you just are trying to be like, I'm just going to be a hand all by myself and I'm going to feel better. Yeah. yeah. It just don't work like that. And so to little Tom, I'd say, keep going to church mm-hmm. and to the people caring for little Tom, I'd say just even being around like in the marvelous way, the Lord's and is together because we're all filled with the same Holy spirit. And mm-hmm. thus we're one body of Christ. Like you don't always have to say much, mm-hmm. like just to be around. Like again, I, it, you're seeing it's bringing me to tears. Just mm-hmm. thinking I can tell you where Todd was in the parking lot when I saw him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, verse verse three. I didn't know which one would choke me up today, but there it was. <laughs> I remember, too, because I've gone through some hardships, too, and and you don't feel like going to church and being no. around God's people, uh, especially when you're dealing with uh, shame and failure, yeah. personally, and... And, and and maybe you have all these ideas and expectations of, oh, well, they will shame me or judge me or they will hurt me or say dumb things um, or they will <laughs> hate me even in my case. But give God's saints, as this verse said, a chance. Yeah. They will surprise you. God will surprise you. And he will put those exactly right people in your life to say and do, to be with you at just the right moment in time. Yeah. Mm. Well, God, God works to those people. And I think to your point, Sam, it's, it's the reality of sinful people. Yes. Saved and made saints Mm -hmm. through 
being bound to the righteousness, clothed to the righteousness of Christ. Yes, so saints, but nonetheless, sinners saved by grace. You know, it's the nature of that fellowship that whether you're grieving or going through something else, let's just be honest about it. Somebody at church is going to say something dumb to you. Mm -hmm. They are. And, but sometimes we get so focused on the one person who does that and we mm. forget the nine people who met you with open arms. Yeah. Mm. We may, may never get to those nine people. And you never, we, yeah. You're yeah. never getting to the nine cause you're yeah. so stuck on the one. Yeah. And yeah. like, I just plead with people like somebody will say something dumb to you. Just like you've said something dumb yeah. to others, yep. mm-hmm. but don't, don't give up on everybody. Don't miss the nine who would, yeah. who would give you a hug yeah. because you're so annoyed yeah. by the one. Don't throw yeah. the baby out with the bath. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a classic yeah. one of those. So, Mm. Um, so prayer, preserve me. Yeah. Preserve me, get with God's people. And uh, this, this would be kind of the watch out moment. Uh, I like how David says, I think it's really insightful. He says the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply Mm. in verse four. four. And, um, Mm. he's being self-aware there. Clearly he's tempted to do this because in verse two, he's preaching to himself. He's Mm. saying, I have no good apart from you. So clearly he's tempted to think there is a good he Mm. has apart, Mm. but he's saying, no, 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 I have no good apart from you. And let me, let me say what's true. I'm not going to listen to myself. I'm going to talk to myself. Mm. That's, you know, Dr. Lloyd Jones talks about that. Mm. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Mm. And he's saying, I know if I run after something else, my sorrows are going to multiply. And I think in our own way, people that I, I grieve, you see it, you kind of referred to it before, Sam, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to do that thing where you're hurting. And so you think Netflix or porn mm-hmm. or drunkenness or something is, is, is going to mm-hmm. wash that pain mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And it's so important, you know, and this is one of those moments I, I'd be careful when and how I said this to little Tom, but maybe if I was my youth pastor mm-hmm. or maybe if I was Todd, yeah, yeah, my, my peer, yes. I'd wrap my arm around me at some point and say, Hey, just so you know, yes, some things are going to look good to you that you think are going to make mm-hmm. you feel better, mm-hmm. but they'll only multiply your grief, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, it's that, that preaching to ourselves we got to do and that, that time where you need a faithful brother who loves you enough to say, hey, I'm just, I just going to mm-hmm. warn you of something you might mm-hmm. face. That's so good. And to be able to validate um, the pain <clears throat> in, in that, hey, little Tom or anyone, you're going to be feeling pain and that's okay. That's to be expected. Yeah, exactly. It's okay to hurt. Mm. And, yeah. and you, and there's going to be no way to soothe it away with these other things. Right. Like even if it's temporarily, like you're going to be sobered soon enough yeah. and it's going to come right back. The only way through yeah. it is to, it is to live in the pain and, and, and endure it and to go through it and say, this, this is it. Well, and I now. think, I think you're hitting at what I would say is one of the, big, I think, I think I'm using your guys' phrase, right? I think is one of the big bumper stickers yeah. of our day and age that you can be happy all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not how the human body's wired. Yep. Even the Lord grieves. Jesus mm. wept to be fully human. Wow. And Jesus is the definition of fully human yep. is to weep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Jesus even knew that he was going to raise Lazarus yeah. from yeah. the dead when he was weeping. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. knew the hope Lazarus had yeah. in about five minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he still wept. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept over Jerusalem. So grief yeah. is part of the human experience. To grieve is to be like yeah, yeah, our yeah. Savior. And so in this, you know, I know the academic term is moralistic therapeutic mm-hmm. deism. This, mm-hmm. this outlook of like, you can be happy all the time. That's not realistic. Nope, not and so if you're sorrowful, hey, that's normal. Mm-hmm. 
That's being human. Yeah. We're just trying to make sure your sorrows don't multiply. <laughs> Yeah. You're going to be sorrowful. You can't change that, but let's not make them multiply. Because if you try to change it, they will multiply. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Man. Yep. That's so good. Yep. So, um, well, well let me press on with a, with a couple other things. Well, um, I'm going to... Oh, um, or if you want me to pause. No, no, no. no the, you're good. The, the, uh, the, the former pastor in me has already labeled these. First one's prayer. Yeah. Second one's God's people. The third one, you need to face your pain. Yeah. So we got three Ps. Yeah. So let's, yeah. uh, let's keep mm. going. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I could comment on most of the verses, but I would highlight verse eight. Um, I have set the Lord always before me. And uh, I, I think that speaks to David's habits, uh, to use your P, his, his mm-hmm. purposefulness mm-hmm. in pursuing the Lord. Oh, I got two Ps there. Uh-oh. Right, Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, but um, if I could tell another grief story, uh, you know, my wife lost her hearing a few years ago and she's 100% deaf. Thankfully, she hears again by the grace of cochlear implants. Um, but there was a long season where she was almost deaf or completely deaf in our house. Mm. And I would just watch her get up in the morning, open her Bible and cry through her devotions. Wow. But that was the only way she could make it through mm. the day is to set the Lord always mm. before. Wow. And so I think it goes like to, with what we were talking about with church, when you're grieving, you don't want to wake up and read the Bible. You don't want to get in the mm-hmm. car and turn on worship music. You don't, you don't want to go to life group or small group mm-hmm. or whatever your church calls them to those who are listening. But it's like, when you're grieving, you just, you got to keep up those habits of getting the Lord before yep. you. So he is the sun, which sheds light on your path, mm-hmm. sheds a light on your day versus trying to tag him in mm-hmm. somewhere. The P word I had for that is pursuit. Yeah, it's good. Like, I love that picture of it's Carrie good. waking up, not being able to hear, yeah, but opening up her Bible and yeah. pursuing God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So my next, wow. my next one's an, an easy uh, an easy P of presence. Mm. Um, uh, verse eight, uh, concludes because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Mm. And I, and I do want to give God glory for something today that I haven't talked about, which is, um, and so I said, this has only happened a handful of times in my life. And two of them were in this span <clears throat> of grieving. One was with my calling to be a pastor, but one was really in particular, those four days after my brother died, it was like the Lord was so real to me. I could touch him. Wow. You know, the Psalms say Psalm 34, eight taste and see that the Lord is good. Romans five, five says that the Lord pours out his love into our hearts through the Holy Mm -hmm. spirit. And I cling to those verses because it means our faith is not merely academic, but it's experiential. Mm. Yeah. Like there is an, and I was kind of getting at this before you heard me teasing on this when you were saying, I want that about my brother's faith, Mm -hmm. but there is a way when you're grieving, that the Lord consistently meets his people with an unusual experience of his presence that you cannot explain. I would call it miraculous. Mm. We know how the miracle happens because we Mm. know the Holy Spirit is real. The Mm. Holy Spirit is God. And so to be temples of the Holy Spirit, to encounter the Holy Spirit through the people of Mm. God who are also temples of the Holy Spirit, you are encountering the miraculous presence of God on earth with you. And um, Mm. it is... uh, I want to give the Lord full glory for the ways he works where there is, there is no plan. Mm -hmm. No one coached me on that. No one gave me advice, (laughs) but you know, and it's how I pray for kids Mm -hmm. in our church when I find out they're grieving Mm -hmm. is Lord, Mm -hmm. would you 
manifest your presence to them mm-hmm. as you did for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Draw near to the Lord and he'll yeah. draw near to Amen. you. Mm-hmm. Amen. What stood out to me about that is um, he says, um, I've set the Lord always before me because he, the Lord, is at my right hand. So he talks about the right hand in uh, verse 8. Is that 8? Yeah, yeah, it is. But then yeah. in verse, um, in the last verse, in verse 11, it says, I'm at your right hand. Yeah. Right? So I know it's like symbolically the right hand stands for bringing things to yourself. So like mm-hmm. the sheep, God, is at, they're at his right hand because he brings them towards himself. Mm-hmm. The left hand is for like sending things away from you, like mm-hmm. the goats. We tend to eat with our right hands because we bring good stuff mm-hmm. into us. So, so like in verse 8, like I'm choosing to bring God close to me. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm doing that. And what I find is when I do that, he is the one who brought me close to him. Yeah. Right. He, yeah, he gives 100%. me his presence. Yeah. Yeah. We draw near the Lord and he draws near to us, but then we realize he drew us near, yeah. which is why yeah. we drew near to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no engineering or no, yeah. but like what, what you're saying is what you can tell a kid or anyone is you need, you need to bring God close to you. Yeah. Draw near to him. Yeah. And, but again, too, that's where I'd say, if you're helping a kid, just, just pray that the Lord would reveal his presence Mm -hmm. Uh, because there is a way where the Lord can do something in those moments. And you, you think like about Joseph and how so many things happened to him, but through being falsely accused, Mm -hmm. being sold into slavery by his brother there in the Valley, he met the Lord Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's, you get to know God in the valley in a different way mm-hmm. when you, you encounter Christ in, in Gethsemane, so to speak, or Psalm 23, 4, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me mm-hmm. where the Lord's saying, it's not that you won't go through the valley. I'll mm-hmm. just be with you there. And there's, it's so s- sweet to say, and we're not, I don't think we're supposed to pray like, Lord, make bad things happen to me so I can meet you in the valley. Mm-hmm. But there, it's the Lord's redemptive kindness that when we are there, he, he meets us. Yeah. And we get to know him in a different way. We get to know his compassion, his presence differently. Yeah. You know, this is timely because, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that necessarily for me, but later today, we're going to a funeral of a woman who died of cancer. And mm-hmm. she's got, I think her oldest boy is 15, somewhere around mm-hmm. there, and then two other younger yeah. sons. And so you have a dad left <laughs> wifeless with these three, you know, young boys. And so. You know, it's going to be pain. I mean, all right, man, it's going to be rough. Yeah. Like, it's going to be rougher than rough. I yeah. mean, for months, if not years, they dedicated Wednesday to this lady. And people wore camo. So he was posting stuff on social media all the time, you know, and all the prayers for her. And, and she, you know, she went on to be with God. Yeah. You know, and so it's lot lots of people hurting, you know, including yeah. that dad and those sons. Yeah. So. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And that's, again, where we're just so thankful that we don't serve a God who stands at a distance, but a God who drew near to us in Christ and then draws near to us through the Spirit. Amen. Yeah. And don't forget that he is real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's, and we can encourage yeah. people like that family or any family. Mm-hmm. We can encourage it. Draw near to the Lord. See yeah. what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. He is yeah. real. He will, he will yeah. respond. Yeah. All right. So the presence. Yeah. And then, and then the last one I just wanted to share is just, just our hope, you know, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. And then 
In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Verses 10 and 11 mm-hmm. in there, a couple lines from that. You know, you heard my story about my brother. I mean, I just, uh, uh, grief without hope um, is real. And, and, and some people deal with it. They lose a loved one who doesn't have that heavenly hope. And that's probably a different podcast. But in, in the theme of today's podcast, it is... Um, Boy, when you when you have that hope, when you when you have a family member who's even if they've just made a thief like profession of faith, mm-hmm. like the thief on the cross, who dying moments, you know. But I'm grateful for my brother's clear profession of faith in Jesus, and just just lean on that because mm-hmm. that that hope is strong enough to deal with your anger and your frustrations and your questions and your doubts. That mm-hmm. that hope, it's why it's described in. Second Corinthians, is it? Yeah, is a sure and steadfast anchor for our mm-hmm. soul. It can deal with what you throw at mm-hmm. it. And so, man, that that hope. What do you guys think? He has the phrase, the fullness of joy. Yeah. At, at your presence, there is fullness of joy, as opposed to like just joy. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think that is? Any thoughts? I don't know. I mean, when I think about fullness the fullness of, of anything that's good and godly, I think about heaven. Yeah, that's the first thought okay. that comes to my mind. Yeah. So that's where I go to speaking of in your presence. I think I think if we would apply that to, to earth though is that the Holy Spirit is a never flowing is a never isn't ah, I'm tripping over my words. All these double negatives is an unending fountain of joy. Mm-hmm. He's the fullness of joy. So he's never going to run out of joy to offer you. Mm-hmm. The spirit's never going to run out of resources to help you. Mm-hmm. Like, and so he's full. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know. I think like we were talking about before, even Jesus wept. So mm-hmm. I don't think that verse is calling us to some, you know, fakery where we never grieve, we're never sad. Yeah. But I do think it's saying if you if you come to God, He's that fountain that's always flowing mm-hmm. and that always has enough for you. It can contain your grief as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. So just as we um. I guess wrap it up here um, as a you know, uh, zooming out from your story, but yeah. your life as a pastor, um, what are during these times in our mm. country, maybe some people say unprecedented times, yeah. like what are people struggling with um, these days? Um, what do you think that people need to know the most about the Lord um, yeah. these days? Yeah, I was actually going to answer this question differently, but based on what we were just saying, I'm going to roll on this same theme and and kind of keep it woven together. Um, I think it ties into so much of what we were saying. I think there are so many ways to distract yourself these days Hmm. that you can be going through some serious stuff Hmm. and just not dealing with it because... You know, here's my old man take. I, I'm ready to be done with with social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, go check out all y'all's Instagram page. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we have like five posts. So. <laughs> yeah, but you know, just just the effect I see, like in my own home with my kids, and, absolutely. And even we've been relentless on restraining it, mm-hmm. and even the very limited interactions they have with it. You know, it's just. But I see it with adults too. It's like we adults are complaining how often our kids are on Instagram, but then we're on Instagram mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. they are, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, I just think it is so easy in our world with how many distractions we have before us. 
you know, and, and I'm not trying to throw every, you know, throw everything out and say it's all terrible because, you know, like, for example, I'm a big English soccer fan and you couldn't like watch English mm-hmm. soccer before, but now with globalization, you can. And so it's been a fun little hobby for me to wake up on there's, a Saturday there's morning. There's no BS here. You can just yeah. say what you think. You, you know, don't I have just, to have all these caveats. Okay, that's good. <laughs> you know, so just, I, I just love waking up with a cup of coffee. But the reality is, is like even just taking soccer, for example, the media rights now is you can watch almost every soccer game in every league and around mm-hmm. the world. And cause of time zones, there's a soccer game on every, every moment of the day. Mm-hmm. And you know, Instagram reels or YouTube shorts, it's the most indicting thing. Cause it's just 10 mm-hmm. seconds. Mm-hmm. And what can I see next? And so to what we've been talking about today, it is so easy to distract yourself where you're going through mm-hmm. something and you don't, e- maybe you don't even realize it. Yeah. Or yeah, you're not absolutely. giving yourself mm-hmm. nearly enough time to process it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I, so I, I just, I hope we'd realize how there are some things right now that are good in our world and that can even be used for the gospel. Like I, I pray for the persecuted church a lot and try to read up on that and social media and the internet and little memory cards have been like brilliant for getting the gospel mm-hmm. into some of the countries with the most extreme persecution. So for sure, there's so much about technology that's good, but there are, man, there are ways we can just distract ourselves into oblivion. Yeah. And we're going through stuff and we don't we don't take the time just to have that honest prayer to just mm-hmm. spend with God's people and like uh, just and work through our pain in a healthy yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I yeah. I just say I hope I hope I hope people are having coffee with with other other yep. brothers and sisters Absolutely. in Christ. Just have some coffee. Absolutely. Hey yeah. man, I'm definitely down with that. <laughs> we yeah. got some donuts still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want a donut, give us a holler. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't eat them all. So Sam don't eat them all. <laughs> so well man you know I, unfortunately our time is coming to an end but yeah. this has been great and you know I, I know you but I don't this is the most time I've ever spent with you and mm-hmm. I'm like I want to kick it with this dude all the time yeah. man yeah. like Thanks, man. the fun but the godliness like all mixed like that's what I'm about mm-hmm. yeah you know not soccer but maybe some baseball <laughs> basketball football yeah we but, can go we can roll baseball or football too yeah you that. know so it's just like yeah. man you know this has just been such a good time mm-hmm. but I hope that our listeners have found something beneficial to them. And if not, maybe them per se, man, use some of this for other people that you mm-hmm. may know and be influencing in their life because loss is something that happens yep. a lot and it doesn't have to be death for grief to happen. So Absolutely. these same principles yep. from Psalm 16 can be used for yeah. any type of grieving situation yeah. that yeah. one goes through. So thanks for sharing that. I was thinking about Psalm 16 yesterday and in the context of, this how long has this psalm been around? <laughs> like three thousand years? Like, think about that. And then, how long am I going to be around? Mm. Not that long. Mm. And in a thousand years, in a hundred years, no one's even going to know my name. No one's going to know your name. But this psalm is so powerful that it's going to be around another three thousand years. Mm-hmm. And so the point is, if if you want something to help you with your grief and your life. Why don't you go with something that's a rock like yeah. that 
And it's actually never going to go away because it's God's word. So heaven That's and right. earth may pass away, That's but right. my word, will, my yeah. word is never going to pass away. So yeah. this is this is eternal. Yeah, you know, God's word is eternal. Yeah. So, yeah. man, well, thank you so much, brother Tom. Man, we know you're a busy guy, and you got to get out of here. So thanks for being with us. For all you guys, check us out on Instagram now, yep. as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So yep. don't go stepping in no BS and have a great week. All right, see you. Peace. Ya.